That was almost four times what they each first paid for a couple of years ago. When they finally agreed to sell the trophy exit, and I still remembered, they kind of hesitated to do the deal when I reckoned that it was a super good exit strategy. I am thankful that it all turned out to be their best decision and to their best benefit. And in today's episode, I am going to share with you how and why I made this very call to the two high networks when I personally still consider myself as a green real estate advisor back in 2013. Now, let's dive in. Big trend growing and revolutionizing the entire real estate market on what to invest, where to invest, and how to invest to grow your wealth. By shifting your investment from purely local to overseas as well, it just opens door for you to expand your wealth and benefit, both the visible ones and non-visible ones. Hi, this is Renee. For the past decades, I help early stage investors and business owners to find the ideal property investment abroad that align with their financial goal. Today, I teach as well in my academy the necessary principles and skill sets on property investment. But it isn't that long ago that I lacked the experience and confidence to do so. During my journey in helping investors navigate their right investment path. I observe changes on market trends, missing components on investment assessment, expensive mistakes, and sometimes even traps that most investors have come across, which can just be avoided only if someone have reminded them. That's why I create these overseas property investment made easy podcasts to give you up-to-date insights. Tips and investment strategies, so that you can make well-informed and educated decision on what to invest based on your very unique situation. If you are new to property investment, or if you have already the experience to invest but are now looking for inspirations and insights for your next investment move, this very timing. You are in the right place. Now, let's just get started. That was back in 2011 when I met one of the owners. I met him when I first worked for a Fortune 500 company, and then I pivoted to start my own real estate company in my hometown Macau at that time. So that property was in a super stunning location. It was nearby the CBD and just nearby the touristic areas as well, and it was situated right behind the Macau Parliament. So therefore, it was a very prime and prestigious location. And right there, there were three very old but colonial Portuguese-style villas attached together. So naming them like House Number One, which is On the right, by the main road, house number three in the middle, and house number five on the very left, which well, basically just next to the parliament, and all three of them are just facing a very, very stunning like view. I 
still remember I was appointed by the owner of house number one to basically just rent his property out at that time. Honestly, he has done a fair bit of work. So he went all the way to have this residential well, property approved to be a commercial one. And at that time, my task was to turn it around, that is to just rent it out to someone who would love to have it as a commercial office or an open bar or a cafe there. But when I get there, the problem was that there were hardly any easy parking space available. And inside the property, there was no lift installed at all. So it's basically a a property of like four to five story high, but you're gonna walk up. There's no lift and store at all. And then around that area, there like are parking on the street, but then you could hardly get one because it's so packed. It's so, so occupied by either the people who live around there or people who work around there. So you will be lucky to really get a parking slot around that area. And one additional thing that I observed was that if you go into the place and then look at project number, not project number five, we'll call it house number five. Wow, that was a very old and torn out property. It was almost like a haunted house about to fall down. And the worst case was that the owner hadn't rented out the slums for low-tier workers, which we highly couldn't understand why. And honestly, because of the lack of parking and what the house number five owner was doing, it just devalued the original potential in returns of this very trophy project. Therefore, I, well, I brutally honest to the owners of house number one that, well, it's better actually to resell it rather than to keep it, even though it, it, the property itself is trophy, but the project itself is going to be hard because of these two factors. Guess what he was telling me? Well, he was mm, a bit of hesitation that he looked at me and then he said, well, if you can sell it for about 5 million US dollars, I could talk to my father and persuade him to sell it. And you know what? The owner of house number 3 is actually a good friend of mine and I'm happy to put you in touch with you so that you can help him out as well. And that I got to meet the owner of house number 3 and that was a good surprise. First it added to my confidence on standing by on what you believe instead of just do as told by the client. This is very important. Being an investment coach, you gotta understand the market and understand sometimes it's as important to detach the client from emotional need to keep the property back to look into the financial need or the wealth creation. Okay, go back and look into the numbers. We tend to attach feelings into properties that we buy. Well, if you're buying a home, yes, okay, 
like me, I will put into whatever decorations that I love into my home. But when it comes down to property investment, try to step back when you have emotional attachment to it. And that's one important thing that I always do to my clients and I always guide my students. Anyway, so that's a good surprise. So I got to meet the um, owners of house number five, sorry, house number three. So um, he was from Hong Kong, but he, then he was a British and a man with a very good taste, a manner and standard. I still remembered I was talking to him and he was telling me that he literally went to source in London the type of wood which were used to build the window frame of that particular house and together with redoing the concrete and the structures and everything well he's basically spending more than $250,000 US dollars on that and again at that time he was looking to rent the house to high-level executives who came to work in Macau. Honestly, that location was stunning, but again, with the two factors that I've mentioned probably more than twice in the beginning of this podcast, it's really going to be very, very hard to achieve the financial goal or the rentability that he is after. Because if you are after a VP or a CEO to potentially live in this place, you will be expecting that the other two houses, properties, are going to align with similar tenants. But obviously, that's not going to be the case. So, to me, these two gentlemen really have put a lot of work to turn the property rents into real trophy, and I really felt bad for them because of how things was going on in the rentability, etc. So, and on that, I have made a suggestion to him, that means the house number three owner as well, that is to resell it. I was very clear at that time to the two of them on two things. Number one, even if they were lucky enough to get tenants, the yield will be totally low in any Macau. It was hard to find someone just buy off them even on the price that they want and keep them long as what they did okay might not be as good so what i mean is that like if they live it vacant for their potential tenants Chances are they are not going to get it because in Macau, um, the rental is not as high as for the yield. And second of all, to really keep something like that and have its value increase in terms of capital growth, you, one will be looking for a buyer who might occupy it or who see the value of it. That is a capital appreciation across time. But I can guarantee you that in Macau, there is hardly any local would do it. If they were to do it, they would have done it a long time ago. So with that too, clear explanation to both of them, 
we were clear that we're gonna sell it. And guess what happened? Well, I pulled the trigger and just confirmed the interest and sell. That's probably how my uh, investment coaching journey has started be before I even realized it myself. That is, understand the client and help them identify among their wish they want and their actual needs and coach them into doing something that's really aligned with their financial goal. Then you might be wondering, okay, Renee, so long story short, did you sell them? Of course I did sell them. So in the end, um, the two houses were sold to our party from Hong Kong as well, the investors who, well, somehow told us that um, they could get in touch with the owners of House and Five and then going to buy it and then to turn the entire three properties into a trophy project. When I was hearing that, I was happy for them. I do. But then, guess what? After a couple of years, when I passed by, they were still as it is. So, what happened? That's exactly what the house number three owner was asking me when we were catching up on the call, talking about other project ventures in Europe. Well, I said, life goes on, nothing happened. House number five didn't get sold. And I saw somehow house number one was occupied with cafes, and that's it. And he was loving and feeling consent and blessed that he could sell it, tripling down his investment. And at the same time, used the money that he made, bought another trophy project in Europe and has been doing very well. Guys, it seems to be a long story. But what do you learn in this investment case? I'm sure different people at different stages of their life will have different insights. And please comment in the podcast and let me know what you learn. But there are four key takeaways that I would love you to take note on when it comes down to your own investment journey. Number one, sometimes the returns that we aim for might be subject to many variables which we cannot control. So be flexible when you need to. And remember, at the end of the day, you only grow your wealth either when the tenants are paying you rent continuously and when your property increases in value. When the option number one is not as desirable as what you target at, Sometimes reselling it and repivoting it might be a better choice. Remember, only when money is in your pocket, is in your bank, that you actually making money. Cash must flow. Number two, align with team that put your investment interest first, rather than just do as told or mainly fee-driven rather than performance-driven. That's where you set yourself up in the right pathway to grow your wealth successfully. 
Number three, find a way to keep yourself up to date on the market situation, trends, and what's going on in the neighborhood, or even just the movements and trends on the residents that you have invested in. That will help you make better call and judgment across time. And of course, if you have signed up um, some service providers that would fully devote to update you on a monthly basis, like we do to our members, that's fine. Then you are in a better position to make the right decisions. Otherwise, what you will need to do is that you will need to keep yourself really fully updated by third parties' information. That could be from the agents. That could be from your friends, families who live in the area where you have invested in. Number four, if there is a chance, go for the trophy asset. This is what I have seen and witnessed many times: how investors make big money and cash flow out of these assets. And if you would like to learn more, you can register the webinar here. So, I hope you find this case helpful. And in the next episodes, I'm going to bring in some more important insights and tips that you will need to prepare yourself for any property purchase. I'll see you in the next episode.